You're listening to the Sermon Podcast for Meadowbrook Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Today's Bible reading is taken from the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Well, good morning. How's everyone doing this morning? Good. I'm glad that three people are doing all right. No, I am very grateful for everyone coming this morning. For those joining us on live stream, thank you for joining. And for those attending here in service, I got to tell you how nice it is to see all of your beautiful faces as I stand on stage and don't speak to an empty auditorium. So thank you for coming. I am so glad that we can gather together in the Lord's house to share in community and and open God's word. Keith had asked me to preach this morning because he was off to a Gospel Coalition conference But earlier this week, he actually uh, heard news that his mom got admitted into the ICU, and so she's in critical condition, and so he took the first flight out of here and went to go visit her for the last few days. He wanted me to extend to all of you his gratitude for your prayers and wanted you to know that the prayers are working, that she is doing better, that she is showing signs of improvement and that your voices are being heard. And so I pray that you continue and I ask that you continue joining me in praying for Keith and his mom and his family. And with the blessing and encouragement of his stepfather, he, uh, he still went to his conference this morning. And the theme of that conference was Jesus is greater. And I couldn't think of a more fitting theme for him in this season of life to be reminded and that we all should be reminded that Jesus is greater, greater than sin, greater than sickness, even greater than death. And last week taught us that. But it's also fitting that he asked me to preach today because today is actually my last Sunday here at Meadowbrook, uh, here in Cheyenne, Wyoming, actually. For those of you who don't know me, I don't know if I introduced myself. I apologize. I'm Justin Kennett. I'm an elder here at the church. And uh, I'm preaching this morning 
but it would actually be my last day in Cheyenne, Wyoming, because God has called my family to California, where he's given Alyssa a wonderful new job. Josiah is going to be with family, and myself, I'm separating from the military this week and going into full-time ministry. So I'm really excited to see what God has in store for us in Fresno, and uh, as we open that chapter of life, I'm very thankful to be here on stage closing this chapter because it gives me an opportunity to look you all in the face and tell you thank you. Thank you for the years that you put in teaching me, praying with me, praying for me, and encouraging me. If this is your first time meeting me, I'm sorry. I wish I had more time to get to know you, but for those who have invested time in me, I want to tell you how thankful I am. And then when I share my story of what God's doing in my life, Meadowbrook will forever be a foundational chapter in my ministry because of how I've grown here. And so you have all been a part of that, and I just wanted to extend my thanks to you. I wish I could shake all of your hands. I will be here after service if you wanted to say hello slash goodbye, but thank you from the bottom of my heart for everything that you've done for me. And as we open the Bible this morning, I want to start off with some prayer. That way we can put our hearts focused on God where it belongs. Heavenly Father, I am just so humbled and grateful to be here this morning, to open up your word, and to be able to speak it. But Holy Spirit, I ask that you are the one who does the speaking, and that you are the one doing the deciphering, so that only your word, Jesus, be said this morning. Father, I pray for those whose families are dealing with sickness, whose families are dealing with struggles and darkness. I am praying for those who are lost. I ask that you are with us during this season and you remind us that you are with us and that you have never left us, nor will you. You will always be by our side. In your name, amen. Well, we're going to be opening up our Bibles to the book of Luke to start. It's actually Luke 24. It's found on page 884 of your Bibles that are here at Meadowbrook. And I want to say a quick side note that if you do not have a Bible or you are in need of a Bible, please reach in the seat in front of you and grab that Bible and take it home. We all deserve to have God's Word with us every single day, and that is our gift to you. You don't need to ask permission. You don't need to tell me that you, take, that you took it. Grab a Bible in front of you, take it home, and meditate on God's Word as much as you need and want. And if you have questions about how to read the Bible, you can always come here and ask those questions to any of our staff. We're happy to show you and lead you on how to read God's Word because it's essential in our life. So please, feel free to take one. And as we're flipping through the book of Luke, as we're flipping through the gospel, I want to reflect on last week because Easter is the greatest holiday that we get to celebrate. It's my favorite holiday because it is the day that we get to remember what Jesus did for us when he died on the cross and rose from the grave and extended to us grace, sweet, amazing grace. Amazing grace, so amazing that John Newton, when he converted to Christianity, that he felt so compelled to put these words on paper. And little did he know that they would one day be a hymn that we're still singing to this day as we just sang a few minutes ago. But I want to read these words. It says, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I am found. Was blind, but now I see. Grace so amazing 
that just the sound of it was sweet to his ears. And I can certainly relate to that feeling. In fact, I was inspired by Keith last week because he got on stage on Easter Sunday where we celebrate our traditions, one of those usually being that we dress up in nice clothes. And I enjoy dressing up. I enjoy dressing up for my wife on date nights. I enjoy dressing up to come to church. But Keith wore a t-shirt last week, and he did so because he felt like that t-shirt resembled and portrayed a message of unity that he wanted to be shared. He felt like that t-shirt did a better job of preaching his sermon than he did with a dress-up shirt. And so this morning, I took a page out of his, took a note out of his, one of his pages, and I wore my own t-shirt. It says, Grace, lest any man should boast. Because if there's nothing else that you take away this morning but the word grace, that if you do nothing but reflect on Jesus' amazing grace, then how sweet that would be this morning and this entire week. Grace that saved a wretch like me. And maybe you felt lost. Maybe you're feeling lost. That you feel as if you are, have a void, that you are missing, that you are walking around blind. But there is a grace that Jesus has extended to us that will find you where you are. Because notice that John Newton didn't say, I was lost, but then I found my way. He says that grace found him. And that same grace will find you today if only we place our faith in Jesus. The story that God loved us so much that he sent his own son on earth to die for our sins. He lived the life we could never live and died the death that we deserve. But he did that so that we can be reconciled with the Father and spend eternity with him. That is amazing grace. Amen? So let's focus on amazing grace today. As we go about our day, as we go about our week, I want us to remember that amazing grace that we talked about that was extended to us as we talked about last week. But maybe you're here for the first time, or last week was your first week, and you heard the Easter story for the first time or the hundredth time, and you're wondering, Jesus rose. Amen. But what comes next? Is that the end of the story? Did Jesus die for our sins, rise from the grave, and then the story ends? Well, I'm encouraged to tell you that's not where the story ends. That's not where the story ends. In fact, Jesus, God, had a lot more to tell us in the Bible. For those of us familiar with our Bibles, the Gospels are located at the beginning of the New Testament. They're, at, they're located at the beginning, and there's still so much to teach. But what I want to make sure to point out here is how instrumental the Old Testament is to our lives as Christians. Because Jesus did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And what's so essential for us as Christians is to know that the Old Testament is not only good for teaching and instructing and correcting, but it literally validates Jesus. It validates everything that he said and everything that he did. So that when we read that Jesus died on the cross and with his last words, he said, Tet to last day, it means it is finished. And when he said those words, he meant it. It is finished. Grace is extended to all of us because of what Jesus did. And we can have that confidence in our Bibles. We can have the confidence in the gospel because of the Old Testament. Because of the Old Testament promises and what Scripture has told us from the beginning of time, it validates everything that Jesus did to us and did for us. And so that's something that I really wanted to point out here as we go through. But now we're going to find ourselves at the end of Luke, in chapter 24, and we're looking at Jesus' resurrection. And we see that the women of faith were the first ones to go and find an empty grave. 
and then angels met them there, and they told them to go, tell everyone about the risen Jesus. They were the first ones to get a glimpse of the great commission that we've all been called to. They were told, go, tell people that Jesus is risen. And then he appeared himself, Jesus did, to the disciples. And the Bible tells us that when they first saw him, they were shocked and afraid. And while that's understandable to me, right, a miracle just happened, Jesus says, why are you so shocked? All of scripture since the beginning of time has said that this would happen, and I told you myself, I will rise again three days later, and he did just that. And we can take confidence that Jesus has always fulfilled the promises that he's given us. And then the book of Luke ends with Jesus' ascension. But what I want to do is hop on over to the book of Acts because Luke, the author of his gospel, also wrote the book of Acts. And so when we jump into a new book, I think it's really important that we have proper context. And what better way to have context for the book of Acts than to finish with the book of Luke as he leads in to the ascension of Jesus and goes into a little, more, little bit more detail of what Jesus said and commanded on his last days. Because I, I find it to be really important that Jesus could have very well have died on the cross, risen from the grave three days later, witnessed himself to whoever he wanted, and then ascended into heaven right then and there on Easter Sunday. But that's not what the Bible tells us. The Bible says that he spent 40 extra days here on earth teaching that he thought that there was so much that he had left to teach, that he could have, God could have used Paul, right? He wrote most of the New Testament. He could have used one of his disciples to teach us, but Jesus found these lessons that he taught in his last few days so instrumental to our faith that he wanted to stick on earth for 40 days to teach these lessons. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to make sure that we reflect on the good news that Jesus rose from the grave, but now what comes next what did Jesus do in these 40 days that tells us how we should continue living our lives moving forward? So now we find ourselves in the book of Acts. And that's on page 909 in your Bibles here. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read verses 1 through 11. And I'm going to stop periodically to try and exegetically give some insight and highlight key words and phrases that are very important in the text as we go along. So bear with me here. The first four words of the, of the book of Acts says, in the first book, he's referencing his gospel, the book of Luke. He says, in my first book, O Theophilus. Theophilus means lover of God or friend of God. So in my first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. Verse 3 says, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So that we see here that during those 40 days, something that he really wanted to teach was about the kingdom of God. Something that he wanted to make sure that he encouraged his disciples to know that the kingdom of God is coming, that Jesus is coming. But we're going to see soon here in these next coming verses that Jesus has a very specific instruction about his coming kingdom. But I want to talk about the fact that revelation was in fact given to us as encouragement. 
That is the point of Revelation is to tell us that Jesus is coming. He will crush the head of the serpent. He will defeat evil once and for all. And there will one day be a day when there's no more cancer or sickness or, or blindness. But for now, he gives us his word and tells us to spread that word because God's grace is what paves the path of people's uh, paths and then also gives sight to the blind. And so while we are waiting for Jesus to come, we have clear instructions from Jesus, and we're going to read those here in a minute. But verse 4 says, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so he is telling them his very first command to them right before he's ascended into heaven, or his very last command, uh, second to last command, is that you must go home and wait and pray for the Holy Spirit. That's, in, that's essential, and we're going to talk about it here in a second, why it's so essential that we wait for the Holy Spirit before we move. But that's Jesus' first thing of action. He says, go home, pray, and wait for the Holy Spirit. We find ourselves at verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. And I think this is really important because especially in a day like today where we're dealing with a world pandemic and we're dealing with murder hornets and we have famines in third world countries and we think the whole world is in chaos and the whole world's burning down. Jesus must be coming. We should read the book of Revelation. It's the end times. And Jesus says, it is not for you to know the times and seasons. Because we also saw a lesson that Jesus taught us back when he called Peter out of the boat onto the water. That while Peter was staring at Jesus, he was walking on water. But the moment that he got overwhelmed by the storms and by the waves, he looked down at the ocean and he started to what? Sink. He started to sink into the water. That means if we take our eyes off of Jesus and focus on the storm and the waves that are crashing over us, we will begin to sink and drown. We are called to keep our eyes on Jesus. And that's what he's telling them here. And we also see that because verse 8 begins with the word, but. And that is a common word used as a transition in our Bibles to say, not this, but this. Jesus says, it is not for you to know the times and seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He's saying, do not focus on the end times, but be my witnesses. Be my witnesses. And where does he say? Because he could have just said, be my witnesses to the whole earth. It would have summed it up qu quickly. But Jesus was very specific with how he said this. He said, be my witnesses in Jerusalem, their local community, where they lived, and in Judea, which is the outer region to where they lived, and then also in Samaria, which as we know if we read our Bibles, they were diametrically opposed to the Jewish people. He's saying even the Samarians, yes, even to Samaria, we will spread the gospel to your hometown, to your outer region, to those who oppose it, and also to the ends of the earth. 
And so I had explained to you that I'm an elder here at Meadowbrook, but one thing I didn't say is that I, along with Michael Nelson, we are in charge of missions here at Meadowbrook. And it's something we take very seriously. And when we look to how we are going to proceed with our missions and who we fund and how we fund them, we turn to the Bible first and foremost to tell us how we are to spend and to serve and to do. And Jesus tells us that we should serve locally that we should serve to our greater area, greater region, that we should serve to those even who are opposed to the gospel, and that we should serve to those, to all the... And we're going to talk about that here in a moment. But it's not just missionaries he called, and we're going to talk about that here in a moment. So verses 9 through 11, And when he had said these things as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes. This tells us they were angels, that God sent angels to talk to them. And they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And so what I want to point out here is that God sent these two angels for a reason, He sent them because he knew it would be difficult for the disciples to watch Jesus, a man who they had prayed for since the beginning of time, go and ascend into heaven. But what the angels had to tell them was twofold. On one hand, what they were telling them is, be encouraged. This Jesus, who has fulfilled every promise he has ever given, has told you he is coming back, and so he is coming back. That he will come again. And that's why we talked about we have the book of Revelation. It tells us that Jesus' promise that he is coming back is good and it's true. And that's what the angels were telling them. But they were also telling them, why are you standing looking into heaven? Why are you standing staring and gazing when when Jesus has given you commands? And sometimes I find myself relating to the disciples in this moment. Because there are times where I wish that Jesus would do the work he called me to do. And I think sometimes we as a church wish that the pastors and that the missionaries will do the work that Jesus called us to do. Yes, we need missionaries to go out and be funded. Yes, we need pastors to preach the word of God. And the Bible is quite clear that not all are called to be preachers and teachers. So those are essential roles in the church. But Jesus was giving us all the command of the Great Commission. And so why are we standing, staring, waiting for Jesus to do what he has called us to do? Well, I think to answer that question, we ask, well, how is God calling you? If not to be a preacher, how is God calling you to fulfill the Great Commission? That is something that I think we all should ask ourselves how is God calling you in your place of work? How is God calling you in your place of, in, in your home, and how you raise your children, and how you treat your spouse, and how you treat your coworkers? How is God calling you to fulfill the Great Commission? Well, for some of you, that answer is easy. For some of you, you know exactly how God's calling you, and I could bring out a whiteboard, and I could write down all of the unique ways that God is calling each one of you in your own way to preach the gospel and to fulfill the Great Commission. But for some of us, that question is hard. So we ask the question, why? Why is that hard for us to understand how God is calling us in our own life? Well, if you're like me, it's because you feel unqualified. 
Maybe you think, I'm not that good of a public speaker, or I'm not good with confrontation, or I don't know my Bible as well as my pastor does, so I'll leave it to him. But I want to make one thing very clear. In the, in the Gospel of Matthew, when we read about the Great Commission there, I'm going to first read to you Matthew 28, verses 19 through the first part of 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Now, if you're like me, if you really think about these words, this is quite overwhelming. He's telling us to go to all the ends of the earth and preach his word, all that he has commanded. This is a lot of commands. He's telling uh, me, he's telling me to preach all of his commands to all the ends of the earth. I can't do that. But then I remember Keith didn't ask me to be on stage this morning because I'm somehow qualified. That I've somehow done something in my life to deserve to speak God's word because I can promise you I do not deserve to be here based on my own qualifications. But sometimes I feel unqualified because I forget to finish reading the rest of that verse. It's going to be on the screen here. It says, and remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. So what the verse actually says is, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I am not qualified to be here, and you are not qualified to speak God's word, but Jesus is with you, and he is what qualifies us. That sometimes we forget when we feel our insecurities and we listen to fear that we think that we're not good enough. It's because we forget that Jesus told us that he is with us. The Holy Spirit that he promised us, I told you I'd get back to it, the Holy Spirit that he told us to wait for, he told us to wait for is because we are not good enough on our own. That we need Jesus. That we are in desperate need of redeeming, amazing grace. But that once we accept and place our faith in Jesus, he gives us the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit lives in our lives, we are qualified. We are qualified to do all things. Right? There's a famous passage that everyone loves to quote. It says, I can do all things through who? Through Christ. Because we cannot do all things on our own. We need Jesus. But that is what's so beautiful about this verse. And when I was looking through a picture to find this verse, I saw this one and I thought, Yes, like this is the picture that I want to portray because I'm not sure what it looks like to you, but to me it's a sticky note that's written in Sharpie. And sometimes I get so caught up in remembering, rightly so, that this is the word of God and it needs to be revered, that sometimes I forget that this is a handwritten note from Jesus to me. That if I were to wake up on the morning when I'm supposed to preach a sermon or I have a big interview coming up, if I were to wake up and go to my kitchen counter and I were to find a sticky note from Jesus saying, hey, remember, I'm with you. How much more qualified I would feel going into that interview. So then I ask you the same question. If we had a sticky note from Jesus that reminds us every day that he is with you, he's with you, a personal handwritten note from the Savior of the world tells you personally that he is with you and that he will never forsake you. How does that change the narrative? How does that change the answer to your question when I ask, how has God called you to fulfill the Great Commission in your life? Because I think it changes everything. It says, 
I am with you. I can do all things because of Jesus. That a man who was unqualified to step up here and open the Bible is now qualified thanks to the Holy Spirit and the redeeming grace of Jesus. Thank you. I want us to think about that. And as I end here, I want us to reflect on those words that Jesus is with us. Because sometimes we get so busy in our schedule that we walk out of here and life happens once again. Because we're so good at using our iPhones and Google to, to schedule work appointments and interviews and doctor's appointments and kids' soccer practice, but when's the last time we remembered to plug in time to reflect on God's word? When's the last time that I schedule time in my own day to say, I'm spending this meditating on God's word. I'm sorry, sir, I can't meet with you this morning. Hey, I'm so sorry, I can't meet for coffee. I am busy meditating on God's word. And so if you feel like your life is so overwhelmed with being busy, would we just spend the next five minutes here in your seats thinking about God's word reflecting on what we heard this morning, reminding ourselves and asking ourselves the question, how is God calling me to fulfill the Great Commission? But then reminding ourselves, Jesus is with me and that's how I'll do it. So if you would, you're welcome to leave when, the, when, I, you know, when I close in prayer. But it's scheduled time this week or today, but really there's no greater time than right now to stay here and think, reflect, read, Pray. Pray with the people you came with. Pray with someone that you've never met before. Come up here. Uh, come up to me. We can pray together. We can talk together. I want us to spend time meditating on God's word because without it, we're blind. That Jesus tells us that the Bible is a lamp unto our feet. And so if we aren't reading our word, if we aren't meditating on the light, it's no wonder we're walking around blind. It's no wonder why we keep bumping into walls. It's no wonder why there are obstacles in our life that are keeping us from being close or feeling close. We're always close with Jesus. From feeling close with Jesus. So let's spend some time today as we come to a close here meditating on God's word, asking the questions of how he's called you, knowing that he has qualified you if you have placed your faith in Jesus. And if you're sitting here today and you've never placed your faith in Jesus, can I just offer you an opportunity to do so right now? You can come and talk to me after service, but I also want to pray for you right now because I don't want to wait another moment. That now is the time to experience the amazing grace that is so sweet to your ears that saved a wretch like me and can save a wretch like you. When we were blind, he gave us sight. And when we were lost, he found us. Let's be thankful for that this morning. Amen? I'm going to close in prayer. Jesus, how grateful we are for your sweet, amazing grace. How truly humble I am to know that my qualifications are only through you alone. And I am so thankful to be reminded every day that you are with me. And so I pray that I write these words on a sticky note to myself that reminds me that in all challenges, in all days, good and bad, that you are with me. And I pray that we all remember that moving forward, that we are qualified, but that you have given us a big command to go and spread your word and that we are called to do just that. 
but we can do so knowing that we are qualified and saved and redeemed through you, not of our own works, but through faith and grace alone. In your precious and holy name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Meadowbrook Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit meadowbrook.org.